And I think so many times, at least when I was growing up, or the Bible stories that I knew about, they were all kind of like Aesop's fables. You you had random stories. You never quite knew why we were reading about Noah, and then you're on to Daniel and Jonah, and they all made. They might be great stories, but they didn't make sense in terms of why were they there and what were they about. Once you know that actually they're all telling, they're they're all part of a big story, and the big story is how God loves His children and comes to rescue them. And once you see the Bible like that. It melts your heart because you realize it's the most fantastic love story and the most incredible adventure story, and there is just one hero. Hi, I'm Charles Morris, and welcome to the Great Stories Podcast. And if you've been a longtime listener of Haven Today, you've probably heard the voice of Sally Lloyd-Jones. We've had her on our program many times to talk about the amazing Jesus Storybook Bible. It's kind of hard to believe that this book, which has now sold over three million copies, is celebrating its 15th year in print. When I first saw the Jesus Storybook Bible, I wanted to read it to my grandkids. I did, in fact. And it was then that I discovered that it was so much more than just a book for children. In a moment, you'll get to hear what inspired Sally to write a children's book that focused on how every story in scripture whispers the name of Christ. She'll also share the most surprising thing that she's found kids love most about this book. You're going to be blessed by this conversation that I recorded five years ago for the 10th anniversary of this resource. And so now, let's get started together. Welcome to Haven Today. Sally, I'm on your turf in yes. New York City. And thank you. We're Thanks for w- coming. We're at WMCA Radio, and, and we're just above where uh, Hamilton is buried. Yes. And George Washington prayed just before he was inaugurated as the first president wow. yeah, of the United it's very States. very historic. But the historic occasion <laughs> we're on for today, this is the 10th anniversary of the Jesus Storybook Bible. Yeah. And uh, you had no idea that this would become the most popular children's no. Bible in, in the world. No, I had no idea. I'm glad I had no idea because in a way it would have completely freaked me out and intimidated You're me. You're not was... that kind of a person <laughs> shooting for fame anyway. Well, I don't, that's not why I write. I write because I love to write and I love the challenge of how was I going to tell children that God loves them when so often they think, like I did as a child, even though I knew Jesus was my best friend, I really thought I had to be good so God would love me. So I I kind of knew Jesus loved me, but God, the Father, I thought he was going to be strict and that unless I was good, he wouldn't be pleased with me. So I I spent my time sort of feeling slightly guilty and like I wasn't doing Mm -hmm. it right. So my passion in writing this book, most of all, was like, how do I get a child to know that the love God has for them is never stopping, never breaking, you know, never giving up. Mm-hmm. And that there's mm-hmm. nothing they could do for him to stop loving them. Because mm. I think once you know that, it changes everything. So that was the motivation. As a, as a child, uh, your father, uh, he was an oil executive yes. for Shell Oil Company. He's written for our anchor yes. devotional yes. guide. So I know where some of your talent for writing came yes. from. But you're, you're, um, you grew up in Africa. Yes, born in Uganda, Kampala, Uganda. Okay. And uh, so I love the fact that I started life. It felt like an adventure, the mm. beginning of my life. And it was there that my dad led me to faith as a four-year-old. Mm. Did you ever dream that you might be a writer? I always dreamed of being a writer. I think I, I always loved 
Well, I think I just loved adventure and the world and nature. And the first time I remember really just really loving writing was when I was about seven. And I read this book, The Complete Nonsense by Edward Lear, <laughs> which most people in America have not really heard of. But I recommend it highly. Mm-hmm. It was this guy, you know, I can't remember when exactly he was like 18 something. He's writing this book and he's done all the line drawings himself and they're all completely crazy. And then he wrote these insane limericks. And I was, it was like a revelation to me because I thought books were all about learning and rules and improving yourself. And mm. I didn't really love books. But when I read this book, it was so much fun. I didn't know that was allowed. Something clicked yes. with you and as I a thought, child. I just thought, oh, I love this. And then I went on to make up limericks myself. Mm. But what I n- love about that is as a seven-year-old, it caught something in me. And I basically, that's what I'm doing now, having you fun. You imagined yourself as yes. a writer. And then I would practice interviews. Mm. I mean, this tells you that I really, I didn't think I was a good at writing. But I'm not I a psychologist, <laughs> so it doesn't really so tell un- me anything. But my, it is interesting. Well, I think it shows you that I had a call on my life and that I was actually wow. yes. practicing for it. So I didn't know why I'd be on the radio. So I would practice the in-between bits that I would know. So I'd do special interview laughing. And I'd go, <laughs> well, it's interesting you would ask that. And then I'd pause because I wouldn't really know what I was saying. Mm. So I just love that fact that then I come on your show, which apparently you told me is was the first time I'd been interviewed, I think, 10 I years ago. I just remember you're telling me no one had ever yes. asked you for an interview. Right. And so that so, would have been about nine and a half yeah. years ago, so, probably. I love that. So that was when the first time I realized, gosh, what mm. I imagined as an eight-year-old mm. was coming true. Mm. And it made me laugh. These years that Jesus Storybook Bible is out, and I might mention to our listeners as well that uh, you were writing New York Times best-selling children's books even mm-hmm. before the Jesus Storybook Bible, and you've written some after it yes. as well. You have some pretty strong thoughts about a Christian being able to work not just in the Christian yes. world for yes. the glory of God. I feel very strongly that whatever you do, it can be... It can be a story about potty training, which I've written called Skip to the Loo, My Darling, a potty book, which helps a toddler. We're not offering that <laughs> no, this month on Haven no, today. No, not this month, but maybe one month. Oh, but yes, anyway, absolutely. That, the reason I bring that up is that that helps a child with the, probably the most traumatic thing they're facing as a little one mm-hmm. to have to learn how to do that. It's as scary to a little one as if someone said to you, get up in front of 5,000 people and give a speech. Most people would just like die at the thought of that. Right, yes. So anyway, I see that as much a part of my calling as telling children that God loves them, because in a way, it's all about God loving them. That book title, that that is a great awakening for some of our listeners who may be a little older and have yes. never had any children in their lives. Yes. Uh, but you take seriously your gift from the Lord to be able to write for yeah. kids. Well, I think I take children seriously, and I think children deserve the best. And mm-hmm. I unfortunately, mm-hmm. often it's been the case that People don't think that way, not in any kind of mean way, but I think they just think, well, children won't mind. We'll just give them this. Mm. Absolutely wrong. Mm. Children are very smart. And because the responsibility is so great, we should be giving them the best. It's, it's even more important than for adults because adults, they can determine what's good and what isn't. Mm-hmm. Children, you're really, you could influence them powerfully for good or not. Mm. You've told me before about when you're around uh, groups, of small children, mm. you'll ask them a question. Yes. Do you mind no, sharing I, that with me again? Well, it goes back to what I believed as a little girl. I, I, when I go into schools and 
you know, churches, I often ask them, okay, children, how many people here, and these are children who know the Bible stories. They were, they're like me. Okay. How many people here think they have to be good so God will love them? And they don't put up their hands immediately because they think they might get in trouble. But I put my hand straight up mm-hmm. because I really believe that's, we all struggle with that every single day. At least I know I do to really believe that God loves me regardless. So how many people here think you have to be good for God to love you? And then I say, how many people here think if you stop being good, God's going to stop loving you? And then mm. they put all of, all of them put their hands up. Because I think we may believe that God loves us and then we become a, you know, that we become a Christian, then God loves us. But what about if we sin after we're a Christian? What if we do things bad after we're a Christian? That, I think that's harder for children. Mm. I think it's harder for adults to believe that mm-hmm. if you mess up, after you've made a commitment or God's changed your life and then you do the same thing, surely God can't be pleased with you. Well, he may not be pleased, but he still loves you. He won't ever stop loving you. And I think we can't hear that enough because we don't really understand that kind of love. We should talk about this spiritual dimension because I've had pastors, I've had parents. I know of one couple who's probably given away as many as 2,000 copies. I've given away a few copies that (laughs) I've had you autograph for people. What sets the Jesus Storybook Bible apart from other children's Bible storybooks, including the one I used with my kids when they were young? Um, Well, I think part of it is God's business. He decided to use this book in a way that none of us imagined. And I know that my role was to do it with excellence and write it in a way that I knew children would love. And I wrote it thinking, you know what, if I gave this everything, it could be amazing. And I just was all in and Mm -hmm. it caught my imagination caught fire. And I just thought, how would, for instance, how would C.S. Lewis write a Bible storybook for children? And it just raised the bar for me. Mm. And I just thought, I want cliffhangers. I want it to be where it connects. So they know it's a, and this is probably getting at the other reason. Mm -hmm it captures the plot line of the Bible. And I think Mm. so many times, at least when I was growing up, or the Bible stories that I knew about, they were all kind of like Aesop's fables. You you had Mm. random stories. You never quite knew why we were reading about Noah, and then you're on to Daniel and Jonah. And they all made, they might be great stories, but they didn't make sense in terms of why were they there and what were they about? Once you know that actually they're all telling, they're they're all part of a big story, and the big story Mm. is, how God loves his children and comes to rescue them. And once you see Mm. the Bible like that, it melts your heart because you realize it's the most fantastic love story and the most incredible adventure story. And there is just one hero. We're not supposed to, we're not the heroes. Mm -hmm. We're the scared people on the sides who can't fight. (laughs) We're the needy people. Yes. I mean, we're not David in that story and David and Goliath. We think we are. We think, oh, we've got to be you know, brave and fight the giants. And maybe that's a application you can use, but that's not why that story is there. That story is there to say that Israelites were terrified. They couldn't save themselves. So God sent someone to save them that he sent David, Mm -hmm. but he was going to send a much greater David to defeat the much more scary Mm -hmm. giant of death. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. once you see that every story in the Bible is whispering the name of the rescuer, It's so fantastic. You can't beat that story. And that's the subtitle, the Jesus Storybook Bible. Every story whispers his name. And that phrase, it just plopped into my head one Mm. day. And Mm. so I know that would be another answer to your question is, I really believe I was given the book. I had to work, but I had to follow clues. Mm. If you just joined us, we're uh, broadcasting this haven today from WMCA Radio in New York. Sally Lloyd-Jones is here with us. 
Sally, people may not know you had a stint with Oxford Press. Yes. You were with uh, Reader's Digest. Yes. Many of our listeners, of course, would know that. We talked about this before a little bit, but we, we've we heard all these stories. You've heard, obviously, more mm. than I have, of how the Lord has used the Jesus Storybook yeah. Bible in other people's lives. Does anything kind of stand out in, in your yes. mind? I mean, I've had so many, and I keep them in a, I keep them in a file. I sort of look at them. More a treasure chest, a, a treasure I would chest. say. Oh, it is. But there's a funny thing because you sort of feel uh-huh. like it's a holy thing that you hear and yes. it almost has nothing to do with you. I think the thing is, I realize it's an honor and a privilege, but it's God's work. You know, what he does with the book and right. how he reaches people. And one time I was with a little girl and these friends of mine said, oh, darling, go and get your book the Jesus Storybook Bible and bring it down and read it to Sally. Mm -hmm. And I I saw in her face, she was about seven. She started reading The Lord is My Shepherd. But the way she looked at me when they said that, it was like the Lord said to me, it's not your book, it's hers. Mm. And at that point, I've I've constantly, I hear these incredible stories and I'll share them with you. But I I sort of only look at it from the side of my eye because I feel like, I thank God and then I send it up to heaven. Someone said, that's how you Mm -hmm. do that. Anyway, Mm -hmm. I've heard stories of, Chinese prostitutes being it being used in China. Mm-hmm. I've heard businessmen in Japan reading it before work. I've heard it's been used in high security prisons with women. I've heard it's being used with autistic children. Somehow mm-hmm. it reaches autistic children, especially when they read the book and they listen to the David Suchet recording. It focuses them. I've heard it's used with Alzheimer's patients and old people that they somehow get a clarity when they're listening to it. So Mm. these things are just completely, it's like a children's book that broke out of all the rules that would be around a children's book or, or anything. So I'm just in awe of what God's done. And I feel such a great honor to have heard. And then of course, the absolute best is when a a parent writes and says, my little girl believed in Jesus because of reading this story. Mm. And I've Mm. heard that so many times and I just, If I could just have reached one child, it would have been worth doing. How great that we even get to hear these stories, you know, that's the other thing. Well, that's right. I want us to share probably the most prolific, well, maybe the most significant line that I believe the Lord Mm. gave you in the entire book. And I want you to read that for me. But then tell me about the friend of yours before it was ever published. Yeah. So here it is first, and I'm saying this because... I've used it to preach in programs on the radio, and I've used it in public preaching in churches, and I know a slew of other pastors who have used it to preach (laughs) for him before. So here it is. We're going to listen to you read this to us. You see, no matter what, in spite of everything, God would love his children with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking Always and forever love. Sally, that is just a spectacular line that just keeps on ministering to me. It gives me goosebumps Mm. today. But you've got it in the book more than once. How did that come to be? Well, I uh, I had it in there probably three or four times. Okay, yes. And then I had some dear friends, two friends, and one of them, Todd, was one of my best friends. We met at a diner and I... I said, would you mind reading the manuscript? Because I really value, he's a writer too. Mm -hmm. I value your thoughts. And he read the whole thing and he only had one note for me. And I thought at first, oh, 
only one. <laughs> he gave me the best note anyone could have given me. He said, you know that phrase, God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Why don't you have it more? It's fantastic. Put it in more. So then I went back in and I put it wherever I could. I think I mm, have it mm. seven or eight times. Mm. And where did the line come from? I don't know. I think, you know what I think it was? I know that God put me in my life. My life was all a preparation for writing it. My upbringing, not understanding that God loved me. All that was part of what mm. made me get to that mm-hmm. place. I really wrote it because I was desperate. I had no money. I was a freelancer and it came up as an opportunity. And I tell this story because mm-hmm. I did it because I needed to make money. I needed mm-hmm. to earn a living. So that was mm-hmm. the motivation that God used. On a very human level. Yes. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. God right. uses these things to right. put us where he needs us. So I'm researching. But there was one day where I was thinking, I'm going to do a good job and it'll be great. And then I'll move on to what I think God's really calling me to. That was the day before. And then the next day, something changed. And I believe it was then that God gave me the idea. He set my imagination on fire. And at that point, it changed to, wait a minute, I could give this everything. And it then it would be amazing. And from then on, I was totally in, all in. It was the most fantastic thing. I, I was so engaged. I, I had this puzzle I wanted to write. So all that to say, a very long way to answer that question was, my heart was on fire and I was having a, a kind of revival at my desk all the time. And mm-hmm. I think that phrase just came telling all these stories in order, the overwhelming feeling of God loves us in this way that doesn't ever give up and never stops. And I just thought, how many ways can I say it that actually they're not repeating words, they're mm-hmm. telling you the different facets of what makes the, the love unbreakable and never changing and you know, so I think it came from that place of that God had warmed my heart. And the beautiful thing about the gospel is you don't even begin no. in the Jesus Storybook Bible. These facets of the gospel, yeah. these dimensions of grace. They're just beginning. You credit your pastor yes. in New York City yes. for this idea of not just teaching wholesome moral mm, studies no. or stories out of the Bible. The first person I acknowledge is Tim Keller. I grew up, as you know, knowing Jesus as my best friend, but thinking God needed me to be good for him to love me. Mm -hmm. So it was very moralistic. And so I had a reading of the Bible that made me feel all the time I'm not doing it right. To be under the teaching of Tim every week where he emphasized grace over and over and how every sermon you'd get to the point where it'd be like, well, someone's got to save us because we can't. Now, normally in a sermon that I'd heard, it would be, well, so therefore, here are the things you need to do. You need to pray more. You need to read the Bible more, which are all important things. But he wouldn't mm-hmm. go there. He'd go, there's only one person who can live the life that God needs us to live. And he came and died for us. So he turned it to Jesus every single time, even in the Old Testament. And that's mm-hmm. what blew me away. And I, I just got trained. I, I sort of say... I. When people ask me, what's my theological training? I say, well, I went to Tim Keller University, (laughs) along with other wonderful theologians, John Stott, Martin Lloyd-Jones. No relation. No, no, (laughs) unfortunately. Yes, that's right. But I think that that's how, you know, God puts all of the information in you that you're required Mm -hmm. in order to do the job that he's given you to do. And he, he called me to New York, and I'm there listening to this preacher, learning not just the theology, but also learning how he would never use jargon. Mm. And that's mm. been huge. Like in the Jesus Storybook Bible, I knew I could never use the word sin unless I explained it. Right. And if I 
if I use sin before explaining it, it's just like, what does that even mean? When you're trying to reach children for the Lord to just use the grown-up words that maybe even the grown-ups don't really understand well, very I think, well. Yeah, it's, it's just wrong. Truthfully, it's it's kind of lazy. I, that's what I came to well, realize. Well, you have to approach it in, in a way you've they got, can understand. You've got to think, okay, well, well, really what helped me was I thought I have nephews and nieces and the book is dedicated to them. Yes. And I imagined them sitting at my feet and I actually, that keeps you honest as a children's writer. You feel writer. tested it with well, them you could too, never say you? To, yes, well, you could never just say, and this is because you sinned. They would be like, well, and then they'd well, walk away. And, and, but if and, I would and they say, might learn to parrot that. Well, but they, they wouldn't they, be interested. That doesn't teach them what it what well, it means. It wouldn't be a good story because you'd lost them. No. So I had to make it. What is sin? Sin is most of all a relationship breaking a relationship, not the mm. rules. It's mm. it's breaking God's heart because it's saying we can live without you. We don't need you. And if you tell children that, mm. they get that, and they actually are outraged at it. In mm. probably more than adults, uh, mm. how awful to say that to someone and to say it to God who loves you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that takes me back to another, just to share this. I've heard stories of, I often go in and say to children, what's your favorite story? And I think they're going to say David and Goliath or Joshua or something or Jonah, which is mm-hmm. really fun. to. Most often, I would say it's the crucifixion. Mm. And when they first, when I was first with children, they said that, I was like, as if I was protecting them, like, no, I don't. Well, I think we should read something more. And then I stopped because I realized children are so smart. They go straight to the heart of the whole story and Mm. they can't get enough of that story. Mm. And I've heard of children weeping, reading that because Mm. they see that their hearts have hurt him. Well, that is only the work of God, isn't it? And it it, it makes me, if anything, I could say to your listeners is, isn't it wonderful that, that children teach us so much? And I know you have a lot of parents and grandparents listening. What an incredible relationship to have, to be able to minister to these little ones who know so much. Mm. Sally Lloyd-Jones, thank you for joining oh, me thank you, Charles. from it's New always York a, City. You're so generous to have me on again and again, and I'm so grateful. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of Great Stories with Charles Morris. I also want to thank again Sally Lloyd-Jones for sharing with us about this book that's all about Jesus. Be sure to go to haventoday.org and see part of this conversation on video as Sally and I walked the blustery streets of New York City five winters ago, and we even took a walk through Central Park. And if you want to hear more conversations like this, why don't you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts? And if you enjoyed this episode, please help us get the word out by leaving us a five-star review. You can also go to haventoday.org and sign up for our weekly email and discover additional episodes posted on our blog. And as always, thank you for joining me once again on Great Stories with Charles Morris. Charles Morris.